All right, and welcome to the Raw is Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the bi-rated TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of professional wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined once again by Carl Grice. How's things going, Carl? Not too bad, not too bad. Yourself? Not bad, not bad. Uh, early morning here in Brisbane, so as I was saying before we started recording, just make sure that I've got my before we go through. <laughs> It's a lovely winter's evening over in this end. Ah, very nice. It is roasting over here, so I don't know if you want to swap or not, but it's about 30 degrees at 6.30 in the morning over here. (laughs) You're all right. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, we are on the final stop on the road to WrestleMania. So, we've got the Raw... Uh, for, and Raw and Nitro, sorry, from March 25, 1996, which is the final stop on the road to Mania, and the night after Uncensored, which will be the two pay-per-views we'll be reviewing on our next episode together. Uh, were you excited for this little journey? I was excited, and then obviously a, 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 a Raw before WrestleMania is always a good one, but it was, uh, well, as you'll see, it was slightly underwhelming. <laughs> Yeah, and the, the ratings bear that out as well because Raw actually drew a 2.8 to Nitro's 3.1. So despite the fact they're coming off a, let's say, infamous pay-per-view in Uncensored, they still managed to get the win over Raw in the ratings, uh, which is on its last stop before Mania, as we've been talking about. So that, that was interesting in the little head-to-head battle there as well. Did you did you say anything? Because I didn't. I, if you did, I didn't hear you I at all. You stopped, and then I thought, is it because the salad making noises in the background are too loud? And you're like, those noises. So, lucky I'm going to cut all this, hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, Raw wins the uh, Raw loses the head-to-head ratings battle. But as far as our show, which one did you watch first? I watched Raw first at the smaller of the well, less time than the two. Anyway, about twenty minutes, but. I yeah. Tend to go that way yeah, I watched Raw first. Um, obviously, with Nitro, it's probably going to have a few spoilers, um, and I hadn't had time to watch the pay-per-view as of yet. So, should we head over and start Monday Night Raw? Indeed, let's get to it. To it. Bringing well, why I got into wrestling. There's a certain heritage, and there's a certain pride in what you do. I want to prove beyond a shadow of all doubt who's the best wrestler in the whole World Wrestling Federation. The best. Soul 
right, so Raw actually begins a little bit differently this week, and it's Shawn Michaels walking out holding a camcorder, so there's no en- entrance video to start with. As usual on commentary, Vince is giving him the proverbial rim job, and we see a view from his black and white camera. It's the click cam making its debut. What did you think about the click cam? I was, I was slightly afraid by what footage we were going to see. I thought it was going to splice to like Sonny's bum hole or something at one point, so... <laughs> Oh, man, yeah. So this was a thing that Shawn Michaels did for a little while. Um, we then actually do get the Raw opening, which is a bit strange. I, I mean, watching this, the only assumption I could make is maybe they wanted everyone to know Shawn Michaels was coming out for a match first, so don't go to Nitro. Yeah, yeah. It was It was not very akin to a normal Raw start. No. And he is, of course, out for a eventful match with Leaf Cassidy, who is one half of the New Rockers, a tag team made famous, obviously, by Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty in the late 80s. And before the match gets underway, Shawn Michaels gets on the microphone and introduces everyone to his mentor, his trainer, and the man that's going to help him bring home the title, Super Sock, Jose Lothario, coming out to Shawn Michaels' theme song, which is very, very <laughs> awkward. Yes, he's not, he's not a sexy boy. <laughs> he may have been about 60 years ago. <laughs> I thought he was like the referee as well. He was dressed like a right goon. <laughs> it just doesn't fit, does it? And even worse, what doesn't fit is they give him a microphone. <laughs> <sighs> not a good idea at all. He basically promises Shawn Michaels going to bring home the title. They are in San Antonio for this episode, so it gets a big pop, but don't ever give that man mic time again. <laughs> no. It was it's terrible. The whole, the whole period of Jose and Sean is, is not a good period. And by all accounts, not one that Sean enjoyed either. No. And before they lock up, Bret Hart walks out to join the commentary team. This makes King leave the commentary team like a bit of a weasel. So a little bit of a throwback to their feud and some laughs there. Um, but Bret Hart coming out for commentary is another one that, you know, it, it definitely sells the main event, but it probably doesn't need five minutes on a microphone either. No. The match no, gets... didn't say he didn't overly productive either. No, I mean, he basically just cut Sean down through the whole match. Not in a way that they would a year or so from here, but yeah, he didn't big him up as much as he probably should have done. No, it was lots of like moves, moves being done to him, and then Brett was like, oh, I'd do that, and then I'd do this after, and blah, 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 and so forth. Yep. The match does get started with a quick exchange. Uh, Sean hits an arm drag and a crossbody for a two before going back to the arm drag and working over the arm. Bret Hart, in his first little highlight of his commentary here, starts to rag on Mexican wrestling, saying how it's flashy but it's not very impactful, in- insinuating that Sean's attack and moves that he's been taught by Jose aren't really going to hurt anybody. So not a good start. No. Leaf then hits almost like a combination between a sky high a la D'Lo Brown and a spine buster which looked really sick he brought him he over rotated a little bit and really smacked Sean down on the back of his head and he probably grabbed his head like straight away and then as well yeah not he a good idea <laughs> um, no he wasn't far too far <laughs> We then get a back suplex, and out comes Marty Jannetty from the backstage area. This was something that excited me a little bit. The idea of a heel Marty and a face Sean is something that I could get behind seeing, but they don't really go anywhere with it, so it's just a little bit of a tease here for, for tonight's match. And then Brett on commentary saying, like, it's like the, it's now turning it's like soup. We'll just keep adding more things to it. Like, <laughs> great. Cheers, Brett. <laughs> Where's Jim Neidhart? He should be out next then, you'd think. Yeah. 
Leaf locks on a surfboard before we go to a commercial break. We come back and he hits a suplex before putting on a chin lock. And somehow Shawn Michaels is bleeding, but we never really see how that happens. I think maybe just a bit of scar tissue got opened up or something. Yeah. Sean comes back with a crucifix pin for a two count before they go to like one of those little sequences of both exchanging different pinfalls for two counts. And then Leaf Cassidy nearly ruins WrestleMania 12's main event and nearly kills Shawn Michaels <laughs> on one of the worst botches I've ever seen, lifting him up from like the powerbomb position almost to sort of the big show's alley-oop, throwing him over his head, aiming for the ropes and completely missing, nearly killing Shawn Michaels in the process. I keep, I keep physically, I imagine he edited it where Vince McMahon started crying his eyes out. <laughs> I think we were messaging each other yesterday, organising a time, and I said to you that surely Leaf Cassidy was packed up and sent to ECW the next day. Oh, definitely. I can imagine Marty like, great. <laughs> I don't know why I got sober for a week if this was going to be my fate. <laughs> <laughs> complete waste of time but yeah sure michael's nearly dead i mean maybe they could have done a storyline where they just inserted leaf cassidy into his spot that could have been interesting yeah. <laughs> leaf cassidy bret hart iron man match <laughs> oh but it was horrendous um we then get leaf cassidy sends him up for a superplex which is probably not the best move to go after nearly killing him but he does get a two count and then attempts another, which Brett ridicules on commentary. You never go for the same move twice, which let's watch the Iron Man match and see how true that is, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> this one's blocked and Sean throws him off with a bit of a vicious looking gourd buster before coming off the top with a clothesline. Kips up, hits an atomic drop, followed by an inverted atomic drop, and then Marty Jannetty at ringside trips Shawn Michaels. He's holding Sean in the corner so that Leaf can come and attack while the referee's slightly distracted, but Brett puts a stop to that, sending Marty Jannetty cowering away, and this allows Sean to hit the super kick for the one, two, three, then jumps to the outside to confront Marty, but pushes past Brett on the way to doing it, and this insinuates, uh, sorry, this infuriates Brett, there's your 6am words coming out, <laughs> and the two exchange words while Marty pisses off back up backstage where he's not wanted, and Jose Lothario comes and breaks them up um, before they can come to blows, so a little bit of a heated exchange on the floor there in the lead up to Mania. Well, no, not even like Stuart came out either. <laughs> yeah, the dads are going to come and sort, sort this out. <laughs> the, the, the tag team match we never wanted. Never <laughs> oh, that could be amazing. Stu Hart stretching Jose Lothario on pay-per-view. Yeah. We then get Brett going back to the commentary table and cutting a little bit of a mini promo with Vince, and he just sort of basically undercut Sean here again. So this whole segment, and he put sunglasses back on, by the way. I don't know if you noticed that, but somehow, despite being enraged with Sean and storming back to Vince to cut a promo, he managed to put a pair of sunnies back on. And then gave it like an overly long handshake with Vince McMahon as well. Yeah, it was, it was all a little bit awkward and poorly timed. <laughs> if he only knew. <laughs> but yeah, that's the sort of... That's the main heat building segment for the main event going to Mania. So does this get you excited for the Iron Man match? No. Why would not? Why would why this match open Raw is well, we'll see later on when there's thirty seven video packages, but it was hardly it's hardly groundbreaking. It was hardly the last Raw before WrestleMania where it was it was very confusing to be honest. Yeah, it's no it's no great go home build here. No, no microphone sparring, nothing. Not even like a, a cheap shot by either by either accounts, like a sweet music or a road punch. Nothing. It's 
pretty pants, to be honest. <laughs> We started to gear up for WrestleMania, and then I was champion by this time. I'd won the belt from Kevin at Survivor Series. I can't help but feel, even now, when I look back on it, that I felt, and it might have added to the tensions between us, is that being the champion meant nothing. Um, I won the title from Kevin at Survivor Series, which was one of the best matches I ever had. And went on a few weeks later to work with Davey at the In Your House and had a great match with him. And I started trying to have great matches one after another with different guys. But as I felt as, as it was already sort of set, I already knew that it was me and Sean at WrestleMania. And I had no problem with that. But I felt that all the hard work I was doing didn't matter for anything. And that it was all about, they'd already had their champion and their star. It was just, just a matter of me. You know, I was just carrying the belt for the sake of carrying it. And, uh, you felt like a placeholder yeah. until it was time? I felt that I uh, wasn't getting, I thought I should get a little more respect and that, um, that if this thing was being built the way it should be, we should have a lot more, um, it should mean something at WrestleMania, whereas instead of just me, I felt like I was just going to WrestleMania to go here, have, this is yours, you know, see you later. And uh, that's not how I felt. And I thought that the matches I was having indicated that this can be bigger than that. And um, <clears throat> I was a little bit, um, I think that's where probably the underlying sort of tensions were starting to, was, to start. Was, was that angst based on something Sean was doing or how the how upper management was I think interacting was, with you? Um, there, there was two sort of things going on at the same time. I felt that the upper management wasn't treating me right, that I was sort of, you know, yesterday's news for them which I didn't think was fair. I thought I had a lot of impact still, and I, my, my, as far as being over and stuff like that, I felt that uh, when I walked out every night that I was over as I ever was, and that I didn't see any justification of sort of pushing me off to the side so, like, I wasn't important. All right, then. So moving right along, we go to our next contest, and it is Aldo Montoya. Fuck, Aldo Montoya up against Triple H. So, um, two, sort of, Aldo Montoya was like a... Um, associate of the click during this time so yes good to see you yeah i mean good to see that that paid off for him it really helped him go yeah. places in the fed <laughs> well, so, someone had to hold the one two three kids bags while he was holding everybody else's so. <laughs> oh poor oldo um yeah. he then triple h brings out one of his usual valets gives her a kiss and sends her on away but oldo montoya being the gentleman that he is goes to hold the ropes open for her and this allows triple h to attack him from behind hits a hip toss a slam uh goes off the ropes for a splash a la the warrior but it is blocked and then we get a um couple of european uppercuts from triple h jerry lawler says that the ultimate warrior has gained 200 pounds and now has a crew cut in the lead up to his wrestlemania match which I, Jerry, I Jerry, Jerry Lawler, when he coming back as well and referencing that because uh, he, when he left her in the first match, said because he left his lights on, and then he carried out when he came back. I thought it was comedy gold. He needed jump leads, not for the car, but for Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did catch that. That was brilliant. Oh, man. We get a suplex by Triple H, followed by a knee drop for a two count, a back elbow for a two count, and then Jerry Lawler and Vince McMahon earn my dick move of the week. With this little doozy on commentary, Lawler says, 
says, the look on his face there reminded me of Princess Di. Fitz McMahon says, after the recent automobile accident, and Lawler says, no, after the Queen invited her over for one of those mad cow burgers. <laughs> just... Exactly the same reference. Exactly the same. <laughs> just shitting all over England, all over poor dead Princess Di, not giving a shit. No, it's terrible. Yeah, so Lawler and Vince, that was not one of your finer moments on commentary. <laughs> Or the person who watches the show to cut things out, but then chose not to then cut that out. Yeah, that would have been a perfect time for like a hotline ad or something. Yes. Trip back in the ring, Triple H hits some strikes before Aldo comes back with a crossbody for a two, a drop kick, a flying head scissors, a clothesline, and a top rope crossbody all for a two count before Triple H says, fuck this, I've had enough, and hits him with the pedigree for the one, two, three. Which you can hit from anywhere. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah. No, we'll have to kick him in the grollies. Don't bend them over in the but from anyway, so it's akin to the RKO, according to uh, Vince and Jerry. Yeah, they're in Triple H overdrive here. Unfortunately, they'll cut his legs out in about six days and have to rebuild again. Yes. We then go to a bit of an unusual gold dust promo in a back lot with a mannequin dressed as Ruddy Piper, which essentially flips from him rubbing the mannequin up to him beating the mannequin up, so I'll splice some of that in here, but it's deeply disturbing. Yeah, he wants Piper in his back lot. <laughs> you darkest you naughty nightmares. There's never been a taboo that's forbidden. As yes, we will become one resident Piper. Joined at the hip. An eternal bliss. And then. There won't be any need for him anymore. Because you will remember the name of. Yeah, there's nothing quite like seeing a man in a gold jumpsuit with face paint pretending to blow a dummy in an empty back lot. <laughs> that, that's pretty much what you're watching. So it's disturbing. If you want to see it, go and check it out. But I, w I wouldn't advise. This is, before, this is Gold Dust is probably him at his very creepiest. We then get Doc Hendricks shilling the WrestleMania denim jacket, which for like three easy payments of seventy nine ninety five, you can get a denim jacket with leather sleeves and Bret Hart, Diesel, Sean, and Undertaker stitched on the back. Which, oh, and your name stitched on the front. It's personalised. <laughs> leather, leather, leather sleeves. <laughs> Would you wear one of those? Uh, no. <laughs> and then we get a final vignette for Mankind, who we're told will be debuting next week. So business is definitely about to pick up. Yes, I have, I have Mankind, yes, and many exclamation marks. Yeah, all the crap pay-per-views we've sat through together, we're going to get to see Mankind <laughs> and The Undertaker soon. We've earned this. Apart from the ball in brawl, we've got to hit that. <laughs> We then go to a um, Undertaker and Paul Bearer promo in the ring with Vince McMahon. Paul Bearer essentially narrates every step of the Undertaker-Diesel feud as it flashes up on the video screen. Um, and we get some really awkward, bad canned heat from the crowd while this is going on. I don't know why they chose to put like elongated pops in while everyone on the crowd is just sat down listening, but they do. 
Undertaker says that Big Daddy Cool will rest in peace and that he's going to pay for putting his hands on Paul Bearer. So a decent promo, but it threw me a little bit that they decided to put these massive crowd pops and long cheers over the top of it, and it really looked out of place. Yeah, I thought it was... Obviously, this, for me, this is like the first like real Undertaker talking by himself promo, and I thought he came across quite comfortable for saying it's not something that we're used to. Um, going back to the crowd, I mean, I've got a note in that last match, Oliver Mantoli versus Triple H. Like for most of it, they were just booing, like this constant boo, and everyone just looking around at something. And the whole time you're looking at what's going on, someone's coming out, and it was absolutely nothing. So there's a bit of a pants crowd all around, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think that the production value's really taken a bit of a turn here. Like they don't. The, the crowd are just weird. The noise levels don't match up with what's happening in front of you. And it's just weird timing for when the actual noise goes up. So I'm not sure if maybe like it's just out of sync with the audio or they've just tried to put more heat in than what there was. But yeah, it, it does throw you a little bit through the whole show. Yeah. From there, we go to a, a little bit of an advert for the Slammy Awards, which will be taking place WrestleMania weekend. And I've just got a note here. Should we review it? Is that something anyone would listen to? Uh, I've got Slammy's dash, you're all right, mate. So, uh... <laughs> There's my answer. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> so moving like right along, we, cut, have a little, <laughs> we have a little bit of a cutscene before we go to the next break. And it shows Doc Hendricks singing with the Raw Band, which is something they do fairly often. But you can just faintly hear he's singing Bad Street USA. Yes. So that was quite cool. Um, and then we get JR narrating a... HBK Boyhood Dream video package, um, training montage, etc. Then the normal voiceover guy for pay-per-views does a video package for the whole feud, Brett and Sean. And then J- goes back to JR who narrates a similar video package for Brett Hart. So yeah, as you said earlier, definitely video package overdrive here. Yeah, and they were awful as well. Like, they weren't particularly good video packages. Um, Jose Ferro is wearing an absolutely horrendous shell suit. Um, <laughs> At one point, I think it's I've got I've got it. Brett starts talking about matching around Randy Savage. Yeah, he does. Which was a bit weird. Um, and uh, as far as musical montages go, nothing will ever replace Rocky. So no. If Rocky had Jr. narrating over the top of it, it could have been incredible. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Balboa, by God, by God, Rocky, Rocky. <laughs> I'd pay to see that. <laughs> And we then go to our main event, which is Ahmed Johnson up against Owen Hart. Oh. Early on, Ahmed Johnson overpowers Owen Hart, hits a shoulder block, and this brings out the British Bulldog to come and help out. Owen Hart sucks Ahmed Johnson into a test of strength, putting his arms up, pretending he can't reach, luring Ahmed to get on his knees, and then giving him a swift boot for being a dickhead. Yeah, it's good. Ahmed Johnson powers off... Um, Owen Hart all the way up to the top ropes, basically holds him and lifts him up there and gives him a big slap. Owen Hart leaps off the top into a spine buster, then gets locked into a bear hug by Armand Johnson. But the bulldog... Not a pretty spine buster either. Sorry? Not a, pre- not a pretty spine buster either. No. Very... <laughs> Similar to the Leaf Cassidy effort earlier. Yes. Uh, bulldog distracts Ahmed, allowing Owen Hart to hit a spin kick, knocking Ahmed to the outside as we go to a commercial break. When we come back, Ahmed Johnson gets a second attempt at a spine buster and makes it look a lot nicer than the first one before the Bulldog jumps in and stops him hitting the Pearl River Plunge, which surely would have been the end of the match uh, for a disqualification. 
They double team on Ahmed, who gets the better of them both with a clothesline, bringing out Vader to help out. They triple team on Ahmed, but this brings out Yoko and Jake, who the commentary team had told us weren't here tonight. And the heels are sent packing to end the main event segment in the go-home effort to Raw. So no Diesel on the show. And the throwaway six-man is the one that we feature in the main event. A little bit weird. It was very weird. Um, they kept showing Diane Hart in the crowd. They did pick up on um, for no reason whatsoever, just because she tends to be there. Um, we're saying again, but the closing angle for the show before WrestleMania is a six-man tag. I think it would have made more excitement if uh, when the heels were beating down, if you heard like a beep, beep, and Jake drove Yoko in and fought this. <laughs> But then, but then, like, when he panted the camera, like, Yoko was just running past the camera. I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> Yoko running's a pretty side as well. Oh, yeah. And then we end Raw with a Bret Hart music video. Uh, you've probably all heard this if you've had the any of the WWF compilation CDs over the year. It's a start of fire in me with Bret Hart's title reign and, you know, all Bret Hart goodness featured in the, in the video. So a little bit of a cold ending to Raw. About cold ending. So, yeah, he's been a fighting his champion there is. Yeah, five months of getting his ass kicked and having the pinfall broken up by whoever's feuding with his opponent. Yeah, and beating Fatu. <laughs> he did beat Fatu. That's a big victory. <laughs> Take me back to his first title reign where he was up against such luminaries as Papa Shango, Skinner, and Virgil. Yeah. So that'll do it for all. We're heading to WrestleMania 12 with a little bit of a cold ending. Let's head over to Nitro and see what the night after Uncensored had to deliver for us. Commentary team for Nitro is, as usual, Eric Bischoff, Bobby Heenan, and Steve Mongo McMichael. Unfortunately, they don't really zoom in and let us see what Pepe's wearing today, so I've not really got a note on that one. And they do go straight to selling how big this show is with three titles on the line during the evening. I believe uh, Pepe's costume is a repeat costume, actually. It's one he's already wore before. That's why they didn't zoom in, so someone in wardrobe is off. Yeah, Pepe's on his way out. <laughs> And we open up with a match I was actually excited to see, the Belfast Bruiser, a.k.a. Finley, up against the Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah, it sounds like one of them, like when Simpsons like do feature fights, like the Belfast Bruiser versus Randy Savage. <laughs> yeah. Simpsons wrestling, definitely here. 
We get started with a headlock takedown by the Bruiser, followed by a shoulder for a two count, and a European uppercut, which the commentary team sell really hard. Apparently, that's a move he nailed Steve Regal with. We get strikes from the Macho Man, followed by a clothesline and a knee sending him to the floor, and a little bit of an outside brawl where during the the proceeds, Macho Man eats the post and the rail on the outside. The Belfast Bruiser, back on the inside, eats the post himself, allowing Macho to go up top and hit his Macho elbow for a 1-2-3 to a really good pop, but a little bit short of a match. I wanted to see a bit more out of this. Yeah, on on paper, like with these with the two workers that there is, and um, it should have a lot of promise. It's just everything, everything before it is kind of nonsensical. The night before, Macho Man wrestled in an eight and two doomsday cage match, but comes out with nothing, no plasters, nothing strapped up. We're supposed to be in a hellacious match. Um, it doesn't. It takes him a while to actually sell. Even though you would have thought after the match that he had the night before, he would be he'd be pretty beat up. But it's what it is. Um, and then yeah, for the night before, obviously the night before, Belfast Bruiser did what many people have done and broke William Regal's nose. So that's all we go into. Um, why? And then obviously you see from the rest of the show why is Randy Savage got to wrestle, but Hulk Hogan gets to disappear off the face of the earth. Yeah, I did wonder that myself. Um, Hogan's Nitro appearances are becoming more and more sporadic here, so this is this is interesting to see. Poor Macho's got to back up, and in the opening match as well, not even the main event. No, pretty bullshit, to be honest. What, did you notice when Macho hit the elbow and got the three, Mongo on commentary says, oh no, there's going to be another famine in Ireland now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what the fuck, Mongo? <laughs> There's quite a few, there's quite a few um, British Irish references in the Regal match as well, which is a bit. Yeah, Pop, your side of the world is taking a beating back in March '96. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, They've, obviously neither of them have a UK tour coming up. No. So, I went to a WCW UK tour. It's terrible. Oh man, my brother went to a WCW house show at like a local. RSL over here and yeah <laughs> he loved it but I couldn't even be bothered going for free entry no I don't remember is we didn't know what the card was and then by the time the main event came, we knew we didn't have Goldberg or anybody and my main event was Ric Flair versus Mr. Perfect oh lord <laughs> well, yeah but like 10 years past their prime yes Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect not quite Ric Flair in, Ric Flair in a t-shirt Ric Flair oh some main event that so we go to a commercial break and then we get the advert that we talked about last week with Gene and Bobby Heenan basically stalking people with microphones to steal information for the hotline and then we go to Gene Oakland with Ric Flair who comes out with Woman and Liz holding the Macho Man's money for a really good promo some of which I'll splice in here Woman Ric Flair I got a ton of things to talk to you about later on tonight here on Nitro a ton of events as a result of what happened last night in Tupelo. You're going to be facing the seven foot four, 446 pound giant. On hand, me woman. Me, Gene, tonight we slay a real live, walking, talking, fire breathing giant. And I want to assure the world before it's all over, I will look down at the giant and say, brother, ask yourself this. What's causing all this? Woo! I got the whole world 
in my hands, I got the whole. It's not easy being a nature boy. Me, Gene, look. I we can... got world title belts. We got woman, oh, woman, won't you marry me now? And we have Macho Man's former better half now with the Nate Shabbat. All right, Ric Flair, before we go any further, they have been calling the hotline all day long. Folks want to know what happened last night at Uncensored. You got KO'd, and I think it was quite intentional by Lex Luger. I not only got KO'd, for the first time in a couple of months, you see, I've been flying so high, me, Gene. I really haven't looked at Luger. I really haven't looked at the package for what he is. And that is a man that wants to be where I am. Mean Gene, good looking at woman, brother. I, I can't help myself sometimes, Nate. Luger, for the air, for the costly air and judgment you made last night, you now, my friend, are on that long list of people that are not going to be able to style and profile woo, with the Nate Shimon. All right, I thank you, Elizabeth. You are looking. Liz, who is more man, me or Lex Luger? Oh, you, Rick. No, that's not answer it. Woman, oh, woman, woo, who's got a better body, me or Lex Luger? You champ. Right. I'll go with the gals. I don't hey, mind telling you. Thank you very much to nature boy, Rick Flair. We'll see him later in the hour. Right now. Giant, get ready. Let's get Woo. you back to the ring. Essentially talking about how they are, uh, they're going to beat the Giant, how Ric Flair's going to cut him down, and now Ric Flair will be able to look down on the Giant. And when he does, the Giant will ask him, what's causing all this? And during this whole promo, woman is rubbing Gene and pretty much uh, physically hitting on him while he's trying to hold the microphone. So good stuff all around here. Well, yeah, I'm glad that Gene Oakland's feeling better. He missed the last show because he was poorly. <laughs> yeah, he's feeling he's better crazy. now. Yeah. <laughs> um, just slightly, um, it slightly gets me that they, the whole pretense of Macho Man Randy Savage, that they've got these money, but like it's four years, four years since they got divorced. So like, <laughs> why is it, why is it relevant now? It, yeah, bank transfers back then. There was no internet banking. <laughs> it, it took a while. <laughs> oh, probably had to wait for the check in the mail and then go and cash it. Yeah. We only had one giant check in the uh, DDP and the booty man had to deal with that. Yeah, well, it sure beats the um, the one Ric Flair was given in the, the Million Dollar Starcade Challenge when someone just handed him a check off camera. <laughs> <laughs> so, the next match is Mr. JL challenging for the US title held by Conan. Co Conan here comes out looking like an absolute twat. He's got, like, Becky Lynch goggles over the top of a backwards bandana and a... Max Boone-esque shiny jacket on. He just looks like a right bell end. Yeah, I've got this. I've got some We get started with some chops and punches by Conan, followed by a couple of head scissors takedowns by Mr. JL. Um, we get a really good lucha-style exchange, like almost some chain wrestling, but quicker in and out, um, like the Flyers would do, before Conan unloads with a drop kick to the knee and a DDT, comes off the, um, runs the ropes and hits a flipping standing senton for a two count, and then puts on sort of a Mexican surfboard variation. 
The two then exchange arm drags before JL comes back with a flying back elbow and a missile drop kick, which looks like Conan hurts his knee on the exchange. He gets up really holding his knee and it's sort of JL here puts him against the ropes and goes for a pin, but he grabs Conan's arm and lifts Conan's arms into the ropes to break up the pin. It looks like he's just buying him some time to recover from the injury here. Conan then pretty much comes back with a gut wrench powerbomb for a two count, a slam, before JL comes off the ropes with a DDT, and then Conan comes back with a bit of a vicious-looking Alabama slam for a three-count, ending it pretty quickly. Some good action, but it looks like it was definitely interrupted by that injury there for Conan. Oh, I kind of, I kind of disagree. I think I don't think I thought the match was terrible. I thought I don't like Conan at all. I think he's sloppy. I think because I'm confused. Obviously, going back to the knee spot, but then like literally one move later, he wasn't selling anything. He was like he's gone back to normal. Um, I don't know. I hate to disagree. No, please feel free to disagree. I think I think the reason why he's not selling it is because it's a legitimate injury rather than something they'd worked into the storyline. So I think he just basically gutted up to get through the match. But it definitely it, it definitely interrupted it. Uh, I just don't understand like how Conan stayed at WCW for his entire entire WCW run. He must have some like naked pictures of somebody or some <laughs> power. Obviously not of Bruce Pritchard if you've listened to his podcast because he couldn't get a job in the Fed. <laughs> yeah, true. He got his Mexican connections. <laughs> And from there, we go to our next contest, which is Disco Inferno up against the Booty Man. So this should be one for the ages. During the entrances, Eric Bischoff tells us that the crowd is red hot for the Booty Man and turns himself into the biggest liar in wrestling for the week. (laughs) And then we get started. Basically, Booty Man hits some punches, two straight atomic drops, and Kimberly, now known as the Booty Babe, comes to the aisle to fawn over Booty Man. Um, has some let's a rather tight top on, which leaves nothing to the imagination. <laughs> um, gets up on the apron and playfully spanks the booty man, who then rubs the spot where he was spanked to wind up into a big punch, followed by a high knee for the one, two, three, allowing Disco Inferno to get zero moves. Fuck off, beefcake, you asshole. <laughs> oh, God. It's like they purposely wanted this show to be shit. It's like... Oh, there goes my alarm to wake up. I'm awake. <laughs> uh, uh, Bishop as well. I don't think he really understands what Disco Inferno is called. He's calling him Disco Fever. They fill the entire, well, for the entire match. It was only one minute, ten long. <laughs> um, it was just awful. And after, 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 afterwards, Bruce even gets to kiss Kimberly Page. What a dick. <laughs> yeah, just absolutely. One of Hogan's mates burying up-and-coming young talent. So it's something we probably won't see very often, but we definitely see it on this one. <laughs> yeah. So we get told that on this week on WCW Saturday Night, we'll see Big Bubba up against the Giant, and we will also see the Belfast Bruiser up against Earl of Eaton. So Bowie Eaton. So that should be a couple of decent matches there. It would be worth watching if they put it on the network. And Giants are our workhorse. <laughs> and we go to our next match, the American Males challenging Lex Luger and Sting for the Tag Team Championships. In an amazing moment of, heels, <laughs> of heel work here, Sting's walking ahead of Lex Luger during the entrance. They do their pose and their pyro. Sting's high-fiving the crowd, and whenever he turns around, Lex Luger's high-fiving the crowd. And when Sting isn't looking, he won't high-five anyone. It is brilliant. <laughs> 
It's amazing. This, part, part of that shows this is. That's, I was about to say the same thing. This is my favourite moment of either show, Lex's heel work during the entrance. It is amazing. We go to a commercial before we start, and when we come back, it's Lex Luger and Scotty Riggs in the ring. Lex hits a shoulder block before Riggs hits a drop kick, which Bischoff had warned us before the match. Watch out for one thing, drop kicks. So, obviously, the American males have got their offense down pat. We get a backdrop, followed by a clothesline by Lex, and Bischoff says that... Um, uh, Bischoff runs through the amazing tag team division we've got at the moment, which I don't think they did enough to build up, because they, they actually had under contract at, at this time... Harlem Heat, the Legion of Doom, Lex and Sting, the Steiners, the Nasty Boys, American Males. That's a pretty loaded tag team division. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of a bit sad the Steiners aren't on this show. I'm kind of like rediscovering the love for the Steiners. Oh yeah, they are brilliant at this point in time. We get some brawling along the outside between Lex and Riggs, but Bagwell and Sting, who the commentary team are telling is Sting was a mentor to Bagwell and our very good friends, they come and break it up because they want a nice clean match. We get back in the ring and both men tag out. So Sting and Buff come in. They don't want to exchange punches or anything like that because they're friendly, but they do wrestle a little bit. We get a backdrop from Buff, and the commentary team sell him, as I said before, as a trainee of Sting. Sting hits a couple of slams, and then Riggs and Lex Luger come back in. Riggs hits a slam before tagging back in Buff. They hit a double hip toss on Lex and pick up a two count, but then Lex gets pissed off and just beats the shit out of Buff while Sting watches on from the apron. Buff hits a forearm, and then Sting and Riggs come back in. Riggs hits a slam. Sting hits a big flying forearm for the one, two, three out of nowhere. And then Buff comes in um, during the pinfall, looks at him, but doesn't break it up. That's some real white meat baby face work there. Yes, the show of respect. Lex Luger hightails it up the ramp, uh, celebrating while Sting stays in the ring to congratulate the other two on getting beat. Yeah, Luger celebrating like he's like he's won um, the main title, the the, the world title. Um, just quality, quality Lex Luger all the way through. Like the fact of like he gets in the ring and then most of the time he gets done over, so I have to keep tagging Sting back in just so like because he because he keeps getting beat up. Um, the crowd and the crowd chanting for Luger, which shows that he's over for a tweener as well, which is pretty special. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. Like Luger, Luger made this match, and I never, one, a sentence I never thought I'd hear myself say. Yeah, if we had an MVP on this show, it would be Lex Luger followed by Lex Luger. <laughs> he was brilliant. Yeah, good Lex Luger and bad Lex Luger. Yeah, just awesome. <laughs> and this brings us to our main event of the evening: the Giant up against Ric Flair, challenging for Flair's World Heavyweight Championship. On the way to the ring, Ric Flair with Liz and Woman, they decide to split up Macho Man's money and start throwing it to the crowd, which rightfully pisses him off, and he comes out to try and get it back, but he's held back by a bunch of jobbers and dragged back to the backstage area. Apparently, the divorce money is just in dollar bills as well, which is slightly more He brought a big garbage bag full of cash to the settlement. Yeah, here we go, here's your month's money. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> We get a big Nature Boy chant before the match starts here. So despite all his heel work on the show, he is still very over. And then we get a little bit of an unusual-looking face-off going sort of nose-to-chest here. The Giant then drops to his knees so they can go face-to-face, which is pretty funny. Um, setting up perhaps a bit of a babyface turn here for the Giant. Flair runs the ropes to hit a shoulder block and, of course, lands flat on his ass and then tries it again to the exact same result. 
Giant hits a press slam, uh, a couple of them actually, before Flair bails to the outside. Um, he tries to escape, but the giant goes and throws him over his shoulder and carries him back in. And Flair comes with some punches and chops, which the giant no-sells. Flair drops down and begs, but the giant picks him up and hits a pretty impressive vertical suplex. Just interesting seeing someone that size throwing a suplex. Flair goes up top and actually launches himself off for once, but the giant catches him midair and hits him with a backbreaker. And then the giant goes up top and attempts a shoulder block, but Flair thankfully gets out the way and the giant lands flat on his face. Blue to giant. <laughs> yeah. Um, we get a attempted stinger splash by the giant, and Flair gets out of the way again, and he flies over the top rope. Some really good agility by giant being shown in this match. Um, Rick Flair chokes him with a cord while Liz distracts the referee, and then Woman chokes him with the same cord. Flair pounds on the giant a little bit, and while the referee is distracted again, runs up and punts him square in the balls. Right in the <laughs> He goes up top, but as usual, he's caught on the top rope and sent off with a press slam before Giant picks him up and hits a choke slam. But this brings in Liz and Woman to stop the pinfall. Arn comes running out with a steel chair, which he nails the Giant in the back and followed closely behind by Kevin Sullivan, who rips the chair from Arn's hands right as the Giant turns around. So he thinks Kevin Sullivan has whacked him with the chair. Good timing there on that little sequence, actually. It all came off pretty seamlessly, considering there was definitely um, margin for error. Yeah. Especially with Kevin Sullivan involved. <laughs> he, of course, eats a choke slam for his trouble. Arn Anderson's laughing at pulling the ruse, so Giant gives him a choke slam as well. And then we hear a bell out of nowhere for what I'm assuming is a disqualification somewhere along the line. Jimmy Hart runs out and he and both girls are distraught in the ring as the Giant walks back and the commentary team sell this almost as like a bit of a babyface term for the Giant that he's breaking all ties with everybody. The announcer finally does tell us that the match ended in a no contest and we end the show with the commentators wrapping up telling us that next week we'll see Arn Anderson and Kevin Sullivan against Hulk Hogan and the Booty Man. Great. <laughs> bit of a... um cold ending going to the commentary team without having anyone running up to them for a change but at least it didn't okay. at least it didn't end on a music video <laughs> yeah if you're uh, counting this this is i think this is the first big show slash giant uh, face turn of the many that he had in his career oh yeah i didn't even think of that yeah uh, um yeah it's a pretty pretty good match i mean you've got classic flair selling um I'd hate to be. I'd hate to um, take a uh, giant press slam. To be perfectly honest. Oh yeah. Do you want someone with vertigo? I feel. But, <laughs> um, but no, it was good. It was to say. I mean, it's the giant. But then again, Ric Flair could wrestle a broom, and it would probably still be a three-star match. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was quite good. It definitely. Um... Heel versus heel, it, it ended the right way with the crowd being able to align with one of them. So, And I'm interested in seeing a, a giant face run, although I do worry that with Savage and Hogan, A, there's not going to be a lot of room at, at the top for a baby face, and B, it might push Sting even further away from any sort of relevance. Yeah, especially with, like, two months down the line, what's coming, it's like, I feel a bit bad, you know what I mean? There's not a lot of time for him to do when, obviously, we know what happens, and he kind of... The Giants are a big victim of what cracks off, so... Yeah, we've got all that good stuff to come. Oh, yeah. 
Um, the plug as well, the first plug for Hog Wild as well during that match. Have you picked up on that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. One of the catch pitfalls in WCW history. <laughs> yeah. The pay per view that nobody pays to watch. Yes. Everyone just sits and resumes the marks for the entire time. Oh, yeah. They are awful shows as well because of that. Yeah, terrible. So that'll do it for the two shows. Uh, should we go over and pick ourselves a winner? Yeah, can do. Alright, so first up, we have production value. Which show do you think on the night had the better production value? I'd probably go with WCW. I mean, it's pretty standard fare from Raw. Pretty copy and paste from the usual ones, to be honest. Nothing special. I'm not, I can't give them a music video production values. Yeah, I went with WCW as well. I think Raw let itself down with the opening being a little bit flat. And then it was great to have Shawn Michaels coming out and let everyone know he was going to wrestle. But when you come back from the entrance to then bring out Jose Lothario, it just didn't work. And ending <laughs> ending on a music video as well, not, not the greatest ending to WrestleMania. No. So WCW definitely has its game down pat here and just standard fair. So it beat out the Raw, which stumbled a little bit. Um, what about crowd heat? Who do you think had the better crowd heat on the night? Um, I think, going back to our point earlier, I think I'm going to give this one to WCW again because the, the heat, the crowd in the Raw wasn't, I don't think, a genuine crowd, so it's hard to it's hard to gauge. Um, I mean, this crowd, the flair, it was definitely a nature board country, as they like to say in WCW. All the right people, like, they were, the, the other crowd were pretty hot all night, and I'd say the Raw crowd was pretty terrible. Once, once you put... Once you got your hometown hero and you brought him out first, then they're not going to do a lot afterwards, are they, really? No, I agree. I went WCW, exactly the same thing. I think everybody that was meant to be over was over. I think they just, yeah, the crowd was genuine. There was no unusual noise coming from it. I definitely think WCW wins that one out. Um, as for storylines here, who did you have for having the win in that category? Well, I'd have to give it to... Um, the WWF on this account, because obviously this is them getting, well, kind of wrapping up their stories, ready for WrestleMania. This uncensored felt like a bit of a reset. You still had the Lex Luger tween the storyline, but apart from that, it was kind of a bit higgledy-piggledy, like, let's get ready, like, like I say, like a reset kind of thing, because with, no, with obviously with Hogan disappearing and whatnot, things had to change. And obviously you had all the storylines tied in. Even though you had Triple H, but they still spoke about Ultimate Warrior all the way through it. So, yeah. I actually, I, I, WWF definitely featured more of its storylines, but I went the other way just because I thought the giant face turn was probably better than anything on Raw. And I think the Raw stuff, they, it was almost like they were just in a holding pattern until Mania. Like, so they all got featured, but nothing really got advanced. So, yeah. Um, as for characters, who do you think had the win there? Uh, well, I think... The trump card for WWF is, as in terms of characters, is the debut of Mankind. Um, you've, got, say, you've got Goldust as well, um, Warrior vignettes, I say, but like, Mankind trumps all, so. Okay. No matter what WWF, uh, WCW rolled out, they're not going to beat Mrs. Foley's baby boy. <laughs> I went with a tie. I think both shows had a real heavy hitter missing in Diesel and in Hulk Hogan. Um, the WWF, you're right, did get good use of its upcoming stars and really build some excitement. And WCW put three title matches on, so it did feature most of their guys as well. 
which takes us to our last category of match quality. And who do you think had the better matches of the night? Well, WCW hands down. Um, Montoya Triple H was a pretty squash. Ahmed Owen was pretty terrible. I didn't mind Shawn Michaels leave Cassidy. It was a good little match, bar the two attempted murders. <laughs> um, but like I said, the tag team match that was packed on WCW, that was good. The Ric Flair giant match was good. Uh, Disco, Inferno versus Booty Man, match of the year. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, yeah, WCW had a... Like, don't get me wrong, there was, there was no real standout match. I mean, the tag team match was the best match out of the two, but that was because of the, the character work from Lex Luger. So I'd have to give WCW. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think Ric Flair and the Giant topped anything on Raw and the rest of the WCW matches, bar Booty Man and... Disco Inferno were all decent, whereas Raw pretty much had Sean and Leaf Cassidy, and there was two attempted murders, as you said, and that was the only decent match on the show. The other two matches being pretty forgettable squashes, and when one of them is Owen Hart being squashed, it doesn't really make me too happy. No. So WCW wins this one hands down. Despite coming off one of the most infamous pay-per-views of all time, uncensored, they still had enough in the tank to put Raw to shame, who is in their lead-up to one of the biggest pay-per-views, WrestleMania 12. So definitely some an interesting way this would have gone. I, I never would have thought that on a night like this, WCW would hand it to Raw so easily. No, it's, um, it's very odd. So that will do it for us today. We are now, of course, going to be heading to WrestleMania and Uncensored, so that will be the next time we catch up, uh, probably a couple of weeks away. Um, anything that you want to say to the people before we check out for the day, Carl? Yeah, nothing springs to mind. I'm not, uh, check me out on Twitter, look on 13, as I stand and say, even though my Twitter game is pretty rubbish. <laughs> um, hope everybody doesn't spend too much on Black Friday um, as it makes my life as a postman pretty hell. <laughs> uh, but apart from that, if we, depending on what, uh, when this time comes out, if we get one out before Christmas, if not, Merry Christmas, everybody. If we do, I'll wish you Merry Christmas again then. Uh, that's about it, really. All right. Nice one. Well, I will have this episode up probably within the day or two, so it won't be long after we've spoken that everyone hears this. And, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to catch up again before Christmas and give everyone WrestleMania as a little early present. Hey. All right. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. As always, follow us on Twitter, leave us a five-star review on iTunes, or just generally get in touch if you want to chat about the show. And we'll speak to you all again very soon. Peace. Make sure them, them drums are smacking. This means war.
get you out of the hole Yeah, you be the one to run and leave me out in the cold So amazing how many times you plot and you scheme But what you don't realize, you never conquer my dream The devil is karma, can't penetrate the steel of my armor Time passed by, the pressure got you living with drama Paranoid of my retaliation, living in fear Disloyalty will have me kill my brother, shedding a tear Such a shame how you can easily get trapped in a zone And have to 